This podcast is brought to you by Watch City Research, your user research partner. Check out WatchCityResearch.com for insightful blog posts and to learn more about our UX research services. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 97 UX Things podcast. Dan Berlin here, your host and book editor. I'm joined this week by Theo Johnson, who wrote the chapter, Design Thinking Workshops Will Change Your Process. Welcome, Theo. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, so I'm currently a senior design researcher at Microsoft. Um, I also do ADP list mentoring, so I help uh, in aspiring UX researchers and designers in the field. I love music. I play guitar, uh, bass, drums, cello, you name it. Um, I love drawing, art, uh, you know, anime, really big into anime. I love doing YouTube stuff, content creation, vlogs, and I also enjoy bowling. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that Theo is a big bowler. So Nice. Yep. Yeah, thanks for that. Can you tell us about your UX journey? How did you discover UX and how did you wind up where you are today? It all started when I was in my uh, undergraduate degree doing cognitive psychology. Um, I really enjoyed just psychology in general. And then when I went and took courses um, for my graduate degree in human-computer interaction, I took some classes in gaming user experience and got really into understanding the VR and how it affects the player experience. And through there, the, one of the teachers I had, he was really focused on some of the UX methodologies that you'd hear about today. We learned in class, right? And we got to test with real people using VR devi devices. Um, and it was really, really fascinating, right? Um, and then from there, you know, I was able to kind of move forward with my career, do publication work, go to Ireland, go to Yale, and, you know, share, share with the world some of the publications and work I did in VR and gaming user experience. Um, and then after that, um, I was able to move forward and work at a variety of different industries. I started my first real gig at Blexer, which was more iGaming. Um, and I also did work for New York State Parks, working on augmented reality interfaces, and then moving forward, worked at Meijer, which is more e-commerce, and then really found my niche working in B2B, which is internal research. Um, worked at Sony Music Entertainment as a lead UX researcher. I worked at Apple um, as, a re as a UX researcher, and now I'm a senior design researcher at Microsoft. Cool. Tell us a little bit about that VR research that you were doing. It sounds really interesting. What were some of the methods you were using and how were you doing that? Yeah, so uh, in the VR research we did, it was a lot of it was experimental design, being able to kind of go in and, you know, go in in like a lab setting, you know, have very specific constructs for how these tests were conducted, following a very specific structure, having people answer surveys, play a video game, right? So each study could vary, right? Um, there was one study we had measuring brain waves, you know, very, very interesting, right? Making sure that the, the computer was reading those EEG brain waves. So it was, it was kind of being able to kind of do a lot of statistics, um, but also qualitative, get survey answers, um, have the users answer surveys such as the gaming user experience satisfaction scale, which was just understanding gaming user experience from a variety of different sub dimensions. So um, a lot of statistics, ANOVAs, T-tests, um, right now in my industry, I'm not currently doing that, but you know, I, in college, I found it very fascinating and a lot of fun. Cool. Well, that sounds super interesting. So your your chapter, Design Thinking Workshops Will Change Your Process. Tell us, tell us about Design Thinking Workshops. Yeah, so Design Thinking Workshops are a very well-effective way to take qualitative findings and turning, turn them into something fruitful for the team, for the dev team, for the engineering team, and uh, bringing people together, right, to... Um, 
work through a UX process, right, and uncover findings. Um, I talk about it, talk about it in a variety of different ways. Um, I'm just going to go through the steps and how I how we conducted it in the chapter and how you can use it to be successful. So planning ahead in order to run a, a workshop successfully, right, having all of the materials and everything uh, ahead for the different product managers and all the different cross-functional team members. Uh, being prepared is super important. Design thinking workshops, you know, they're meant to be able to kind of give out and share recommendations based on the findings, right? So you want to make sure everything is structured properly and that logistically in the beginning, things are run, like are all set up by the researcher or, or whoever you're working with all properly, you have the right tools. And then from there, you time your session, you figure out how long do we want the session to run? Typically, a 90-minute session can go such as user needs, dislikes, and challenges, where you go and you talk about, you know, let's say you, you run a study, a qualitative uh, user interview. Let's say you interview 12 users, right? And from there, you take the qualitative data from the Excel sheet, right? And that data was all given to all of your members for the design thinking workshop beforehand. They all come prepared seeing this data, and then you have the workshop laid out in front of you using a specific format that is laid out like I have in the chapter. User needs, likes, dislikes, and challenges. Create themes and use cases for the user flow. So understanding what areas can be improved through a different uh, a specific process that a user is doing. The how might we statements, which is how might we understand uh, the check-in process or how might we understand why these users are clicking X area and not going to Y area as well, right? So being a little bit more, you know, thinking about it more in psychology, right? And just kind of understanding the user and being able to take the data and move forward with it in a way that's meaningful for the product teams. And then reconvening and sharing those thoughts. So the whole idea of doing the design thinking workshop is, you know, again, bringing the stakeholders together, bringing your teams together to, you know, look at research in a very thematic way and fun way. I mean, these workshops are meant to be fun. They're meant to be effective in, uh, you know, creating different themes and being able to pass along the either the designs, the ideas and stuff to different product teams. Yeah, so a couple of questions for you there. Let's start at the beginning sure. in terms of the, the prep work. You mentioned having your materials ready and having the, the data ready. Tell us about that. What do what does the researcher or the leader of this workshop need to have and uh, available to them and how should that presentation of data be structured yeah so typically when you when you like are about to run this workshop or let's say that you you're working a hypothetical example you're working in figma and you say hey we have a workshop coming up um you're working with a specific product manager as a researcher, right, the the workshop, the format, the structure, that should all be set up by that researcher, right, or whoever is hosting that workshop. And then you kind of guide the users through the workshop, right? Having the data, so I mentioned earlier, all of the research or like, let's say there's an Excel sheet or repository of the qualitative data, making sure that whoever is attending your workshop has that data. And then also setting expectations hey, this workshop's going to be 45 minutes. Hey, this is going to be one hour. Feel free to stay as long as you can. If you can't make it, the session will be recorded, right? Which it's great. A lot of these new tools now are like they have a recording uh, feature. So you can come in, you know, hop in as you go. Um, or it could be like a, a design thinking workshop, an ideation session that lasts for a few hours, 
right? It really depends on how deep you want to get into it. Yeah. And you mentioned the, you know, getting the data to people in advance, maybe in a spreadsheet. A couple things there. First off, how do you ensure um, that they're going to do that homework or going to look at it in advance? And is there anything you can do to motivate them to do so? Yeah. So sharing is caring, you know, so sharing the data, the research data with your PMs is really important, right? Um, And then sometimes before you run the session, let's say they go there, they had a really, really busy week, you know, and they come and they're like, I really didn't have a chance to look at it, but I'm here. That's happened before. But, you know, if if you really want to make sure and get get your product manager or your your whoever's coming attention, showcase the value of this workshop and what it's going to bring and say, hey, you know, I really love if you're able to just kind of take a look at some of the data beforehand and just bring that with you or just say, hey, come to the session, you know, have if you have a dual monitor, have the, the Excel sheet on one screen. Right. And then, you know, walk and walk through with with me and the design team, the workshop. Right. Yeah. Um, because some people are just very busy and they don't have time to look through all the data. So it's just about finding a way to kind of be collaborative, but not being kind of intrusive on their end as well, because they are also very busy in their job. And is there a way that you structure that data to make it more interesting to them or to draw your, your stakeholders in? Yeah. So currently, like I'll just, for example, you know, so like using Excel, right? So let's say you, you run 10 user interviews, right? And in Excel, you can color code, right? You can already do some coding, get some of that prep beforehand for the product manager or stakeholder or user, whoever's in their session with you and have that ready. So they can be like, oh, it's green, you know, like color code it, make a legend, be like, this is good user feedback. This is negative user feedback, you know, label the sections in your qualitative repository of wherever you're storing the data in a way where it makes sense. Like if you just scribble random stuff and have it just be like copy paste from, you know, like, you know, like uh, something that was recorded, it's going to be hard to understand. So as a researcher, it's kind of your responsibility to kind of go in and make sure the data is clean. I think the cleanliness and presentation is huge. Plus it just makes the PM or whoever you're working with like, Ooh, that's really cool. This is laid out really nice. And then especially if they're working on a very specific feature or they're something needs to be pushed out and they're, they want specific feedback. They might be like, Ooh, I really like this. Like they're going to get really intrigued already just because that data is clean and it looks good. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, after, after that, you mentioned the format of the workshop and getting it going. So can you dig in there and tell us about, you know, the structure of the typical uh, workshop and how it can be um, facilitated? Yeah. So uh, before this workshop even starts, right. When you, let's say you're just, your teams all, you guys all use Microsoft teams, right? So in the teams invite for that workshop, laying out the structure, Hey, this workshop's going to be um, like it, for example, I have it in my, in the book here, you know, so it's like a 90 minute workshop. And then you lay out in the, in the team's invite, the first 30 minutes is going to be that user needs, likes, dislikes, and challenges. The next 30 minutes is going to go over the themes and understanding the user flow for, let's say, it's a, let's say it's a, um, someone's doing something with ad campaigns, right. And you're trying to figure out like a, sp- a specific flow for the user. So we talk about that. And then the, how might we statement? So like brainstorming session, how might we solve for these problems? And that's 20 minutes and then reconvening and sharing the thoughts at the end, which is just kind of like, hey, this is what we learned today. And then the team could say, hey, what are, what are we going to do with these findings? How are we going to move forward with them? And then going in and actually executing the workshop, right? You go in there, that template, the way that I just described it, right? That is all going to be preset, you know, in sections labeled in Miro and Figma. That way, 
you know, you guide that you guide the team during the workshop. They could follow your. They could even have it where they follow your cursor. Right. Uh, and actually, what's your what's your thoughts on best practices for you only having the cursor in Miro versus everyone having the cursor? You know, and everyone digging in. Everybody's gonna have the cursor. I was just saying, as far as guiding the session, you know, it's like if someone's lost or not knowing where to go, everybody is definitely gonna have a say, and everyone's gonna be moving sticky notes around and having a say. Okay. Right. We're yep. like, hey, you know, we'll start the clock here. You know, feel free to take put down some sticky notes, lay out a bunch of sticky notes on the top of the screen. Usually uh, one of the best things and funnest things to do is like have these stickies and everything kind of ready. Or they could just drag and drop from an area and then or they could just click it. Right. Um, yep. I we There's also been times where PMs are like, I don't know how to use this tool. Right. So exactly. you're having to do a little bit of teaching as you're going along. But it's it's not too bad. The tools are fairly simple to use. How do you address uh, the folks who have never used the tools? Do you have instructions in in the the Canvas at all? How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, usually um, providing instructions is important. Uh, usually with the workshop, there's like a separate table area that you know. For instance, I have actually created that before. You know, so like step one, this is this. You know, to use stickies, do this, do this, and do this. Right. So having that available for them is really simple. Um, they've also had it there and then they've said i don't i still don't understand how to use this be like hey just follow along you know kind of just uh try to understand what we're doing and just come along for the process so making it a warming experience you don't want them to come in and be like oh this is really confusing this is this is intimidating we don't want that right you want this to be an experience that they can remember that they they'll want to come back and do more of Mm -hmm. tell us more about the prep of the the miro or figma the canvas whatever we're using what other items need need to be in there to have a successful workshop how else do you prep that yeah so not not only having like the stickies right because stickies is just there but like the sections labeled in an in an area where it's like like for instance you know for user needs likes and dislikes and challenges right have those sections laid out with the blocks big words bold letters right and then have the, the spaces right and then when we're when for everybody to kind of go in and let's say that there is a variety of different users and a variety of different areas you're trying to solve. Like doing these workshops, the great thing about it is you can kind of be dynamic with it too, right? So you can set it up in a way where you have it that way. And then as you go, you can kind of like mutter it around as as you're kind of moving forward, which happens all the time, actually. Um, mm-hmm. People start designing things or there's other cool things that happen within the workshops itself. I think having the structure set up properly and then being able to kind of move to the next section without there being like any clutter and like taking the data and being able to drag and drop it or color coat items. That's mm-hmm. super important too, because if you just have every sticky note or every section like being yellow, it's like, what's this? It is, this is confusing, right? So like color coding, section labeling, right? Um, if you're trying to like hit a really specific theme, Maybe during this section, one of the PMs is like, hey, this is a really important topic. We need to like really dive into this. Maybe create an additional section, be like important topic X, you know, or whatever, and then be able to kind of label that because that happens all the time. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks for that. So what, what then? You know, it's all right. We've, we've talked about preparation and the facilitation. Tell us what's, what's, what comes next there and how to, how to do it. Yeah. So as the researcher, you know, like we, we come in. You try to make that experience again very warming. Like, hey guys, thanks for thanks for showing up. You know, for the the to the design thinking session. You know, so we're gonna start with X. 
area based on user data. And we're going to do this for, for 30 minutes. Let's say like the user needs likes, dislikes, and challenges. I'll just start from the very beginning. So as you guys can see, you know, we, we have the qualitative data from the Excel that we got. As you can see, it was color coded. You know, the green's the good stuff, the red's some of the bad stuff, but you know, feel free to take and pick and choose what you want or, you know, create your own ideas out of it as well, right? So like it's running these workshops. It's like you want to like have everybody have a voice and a say as well. But when you when you go and you click the timer and you start doing it, we'll start dragging and dropping and then you can kind of say, okay, we're done with this part, click. What do you guys think? Oh, well, I, I you know, I picked this and this and this because I thought this was important. I created this theme over here. Okay, let's talk about that, right? So some of these sessions, I've had it too where you run it and then sometimes it goes over and you're like, you don't even get to the last part because everyone dives into some very, very specific area right. because the product manager wants to really dive in on something very specific, you know, and you start rambling. But, you know, it's at the same time, you're, you're finding the things that matter for the team and that's really what's effective. Great. So how do you close it out? You know, so you are doing this categorization with the team, you get them involved, yep. you've you've done this. How do you take that next step and turn it into something meaningful for the rest of the team? Yeah, so after you kind of do that and then create some themes and you go into like the how might we statements, which I feel is one of the most powerful thematic ways of working with the teams of understanding how can we solve problems, right? How can we solve the user's problem? That's where the brainstorming really comes in hand, especially if you have a bunch mm -hmm. of designers in the rooms, a bunch of even even like the if you have some devs and engineering in there, like it's just really fascinating to see how can we solve some of these problems at a level where everyone can kind of have a say. And then you take that, you know, and you come up with these ideas and say, OK, what can we do realistically based on timelines, based on the tools and everything we have? You know, and that's that's how you kind of move forward with it. And then at the end, you just talk about like, OK. We found that um, based on this severe, severe issue, we found we could fix it in four or five different ways, blah, 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 blah. Let's rate these levels of severity. Let's see, you know, what, how could we accomplish this in this quarter? You know, again, when you do these workshops, sometimes you find a multitude of different ways of solving things, but also just a ton of, a ton of different um, themes that you can kind of move and, and log, right? I know some teams use Jira. You backlog the item, right? Let's let's say let's say just hypothetically you have twenty issues and twenty different ideas, right? And then you're like, okay, well, we want to like execute on ten of those, really, really important. And we can start the first one. You can put it as a as a ticket in Jira. This is just hypothetical, but just being able to kind of take that and move forward with it, and then make it meaningful for the team. Sounds like that's where the the magic happens, almost where you're taking the that data and the you know the prioritized data, and the whole mm -hmm. team has heard it now. Now at the end, we you have to make sure to turn it into something tactical, um, and having the right. whole team at the table for that seems to facilitate that. Correct. Yeah. So, and there's going to be times where pushback happens. You know, especially if there's I've had workshops where there's stakeholders involved, and you know, there's like, well, I don't think that's possible, and then you know, someone's like, oh, I think we can do that based on this. Oh, well, this is an easy win. So sometimes there's like those areas where you want those quick wins, right? If it's a simple design fix, uh, a yeah. simple implementation where it's not going to cost a ton of time for the devs and save the company money, that's good. That's an easy win, right? But if there's like a larger challenge that we're trying to solve or like a really bad navigational flow that we found that the team's like, hey, I think we should really dive into this, that's where that prioritization comes into hand. And then you could kind of prioritize that with your stakeholders or your managers or the PMs or whoever you're working with and be able to solve that in a way that matters. Um, and then, of course, it's like a never ending process, right? I kind of think of these design thinking workshops and then research 
and that whole UX process is just a continuous improvement process, right? There's always like this right. looping thing kind of going around. You might do this and the next day you might be like, I got to go back in this board and take more notes, right? And then, you know, or the PM's like, hey, I really had a great session with you. Can I go back in there and just, you know, have a small little ad hoc session with them? It's like, I think this is great, but I think we should focus on this. So that's the beauty of doing these, right? And then that link, that workshop, that area, that entire board will be available for them to look at whenever they want. Yep. Yep. And the other thing that came to mind as you were talking is that people think in different ways. Some people focus on the, the spreadsheet, right? They think in spreadsheet ways. Other people think in more affinity diagramming ways and need to move that physical sticky around, as it were. And this tends to both of those needs, it seems like. Yeah, that's and that's the beauty of it. It's like I mentioned earlier, like being kind of dynamic, right? So you, So people really like having the Excel sheet and then being able to kind of, okay, left up, you know, and then they go there. Okay. That's the problem right there. Found the quote done. We're good. But then taking this data being dynamic and then putting it in, in a workshop area and then finding that, you know, we, Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that maybe eight, eight out of 12 users are having this problem and this very specific problem. And then right there, you're already ideating on a solution to solve that problem instead of like going back and then just, you know, taking more time, right? It's just, it's a lot easier to kind of just get her done, you know, just by doing the sessions. So, yep. So was there anything else from your chapter you were hoping to convey here today? Uh, you know, like, you know, I mentioned at the end, you know, like be able to kind of align business goals, right. And the needs of the users, I think, you know, implementing design thinking workshops within the, within your process, you know, or in the UX process, or just taking some data that you got and just creating themes and working with your team. It just, it's really nice because it shows collaboration, teamwork, boosting UX maturity, right? Especially in orgs, like I've done these workshops where like orgs have never done these kind of workshops mm-hmm. and I've had to teach them and it's been really effective. And then someone's like, hey, I want to do that again, you know, and it's fun, you know, and like I mentioned back business goals, right? Making sure that we're researching the right thing, it's affecting the right thing and Money makes the world go round, right? So it's like making sure we can, you know, save the company money by implementing some of these things soon enough. And, you know, doing these workshops, you can get a lot done in one session, right? right? And save your guys a lot of time, you know, down the road by running one of these. So, yep. How about getting buy-in for that first one? You know, when you want to, when you want to get the team in the same, you know, virtual room, how do you get buy-in for doing this sort of thing? And one of the places that I worked, um, you know, just as an example, research was new, UX research or implementing that new process of product design was very new. I actually hosted like a lunch and learn session to teach people or educate others on what is UX research? How can we implement that into the product design process? One of the ways is, you know, taking qualitative research, data from user interviews, moderate usability testing sessions, and working with the teams and being collaborative. Put that in front of an audience, use that as like a buy-in session. Oh, this is cool. Like, I want to do that. Hey, I'm going to ping whatever. I saw your session on the, you know, the the, the lunch and learn. I, would it be really cool to run a session? So that's been one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way has just been, you know, I presenting at product monthlies and showcasing some of the work you're doing and being like, you know, running one of these sessions would be very beneficial for X, Y, and Z. Just showcasing the benefit and like, Doing these workshops can do this, can do the X, can do Y, can do Z, you know, increase efficiency, increase like speed of delivery for some of the designs we're working on. And then it'll get 
these product teams kind of involved and a little more excited to be, you know, in yeah. the process themselves and let them know they have a voice, you know? Yep. Cool. Well, thanks for all of that. Really, um, you know, very useful for our listeners. So thanks for sharing all of that. On uh, our final uh, portion here, we'd like to get a career tip. So is there a career tip you'd like to share for folks? Yeah. So uh, this goes for, you know, mostly anybody really, but, you know, people in the UX field, I know right now it's a tough time, you know, and getting a job and working on your portfolios. So if you're in like UX research or design, the process of how you do your work and who you work with and how it affects and impacted the team and the business is what's going to land you that job. Because I've I've done a lot of, uh, you know, sessions with my mentees Beautiful designs, great portfolio, but no process. It, it's missing, right? So if there's any tips I can give anybody that's in UX or just, I don't know, talking through your interviews, being able to kind of describe the teamwork. How did you work with the team? How was your process? How did you brainstorm that process? Why did you choose the methods or, i.e., designs that you did, you know, and what tools did you use? How, did you, how does that affect the team, right? What was the impact, right? And then showcasing that in a way that makes sense. That is such a big tip that I tell all my mentees, and I'm telling you, it's money. A hundred percent. I say the same exact thing to the people who I talked career with. Um, you know, what was your process? What was your part in that process? And what were the results? Be results-oriented. Exactly. Cool. Well, thanks for that as well. We are out of time here, and this has been a wonderful um, episode, so thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Our guest today has been Theo Johnson, who wrote the chapter, Design Thinking Workshops Will Change Your Process. Thanks for joining me today, Theo. Thanks, Dan. appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your time as well, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this. The 97 UX Things podcast is a companion to the book 97 Things Every UX Practitioner Should Know, published by O'Reilly, and all book royalties go to UX nonprofits. The theme music is Iron Lung by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I'm your host and book editor, Dan Berlin. Please remember to find the needs in your community and fill them with your best work. Thanks for listening.